0: Hi everyone JJ here with The Out Value. Today I want to talk about Warren Buffett's recent shareholder letter. He's well into his 90s now there aren't many of them left so I want to give some highlights of this year's letter with the Berkshire Hathaway meeting coming up soon. I haven't posted for a month for various reasons. A perfect storm of events which I'll mention a bit later on but now let's just let's get into Warren Buffett's shareholder letter to see what he said. Buffett's Berkshire shareholder letter is always worth reading over the decades if you're not familiar he's done it every year he's he's keen on education so he he basically lays out how he invests over the years it's worth reading his letters back over the years if you haven't done that already it's one of the best investment reads you could ever have so Buffett always starts the letter by updating his investment returns the Berkshire returns over the years and as you can see the average combined annual gain, compounded annual gain from 1965 to 2022 is 19.8%. To average that much over decades, that's a lot. We can see there that uh, it's 19.8% for Berkshire and 9.9% for the S&P 500, so beating the market. And the overall gain is three million seven hundred eighty-seven. 1,464% over that time. Sounds ridiculous when you say it like that compared to the S&P 500, which is 24,700, which is still good. He, Buffett, has encouraged people to to index, to use an index fund if they're not good or not familiar with uh, in analyzing companies. Uh, he said the index is good, but obviously he's had one of the best investment records of all time the greatest of all time so and that's showing it there as you can see over the years it's gone up and down a bit and let's get into that a little bit more so on screen if you're watching on video we can see the annualized returns of Berkshire over the years Berkshire Hathaway versus the S&P 500 in a bar graph form so you can see earlier on the returns were much bigger and they've gone down over time and Buffett has always said this will happen the more money that you have to invest the bigger the size of the wallet the harder it is to get Big return so averaging nearly 20% over that time is fantastic considering how many billions they're now dealing with but as you can see back in the 1980s some of the times it was over 30% sometimes up to even 50% so Buffett said that he could guarantee 50% return if he was only dealing with a few million dollars so in that way for retail investors it should be kind of easier because the opportunity set Buffett's opportunity set Dealing with hundreds of billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars. Just the opportunity set of companies to invest in goes way down. One of the best successes they've had in recent times is Apple, which they bought when the P/E ratio was pretty low back in starting in 2016, I think. And that's been a multi-bagger. I think it's one of the best investments perhaps of all time with over $30 billion. Buying 10% of Apple out of the small pool of S and P 500 companies and international companies, of course, as well, but he likes investing in American companies mostly. But that's that was a that's a pretty good result considering the amount, just the sheer amount of money that he has to invest. Okay, getting into the letter itself, I think this is an important point that Buffett's made again and again over the years, and in many talks that he's given, he says, "Please note." particularly that we own publicly traded stocks based on our expectations about their long-term business performance, not because we view them as vehicles for adroit purchases and sales. That point is crucial. Charlie and I are not stock pickers. We are business pickers. So he's always emphasized analyzing the company, the business itself, not the stock. So they're not trading in and out. Uh, Well, they do sometimes (laughs) the recent quarter, they kind of sold Taiwan Semiconductor pretty quickly. But for some reason that we don't know yet, usually they hold very long term. They're not stock picking, they're choosing great businesses and holding them for a long time. If you're watching on YouTube and getting value out of this so far, please hit that like button to help with the algorithm to spread it to more people and to give me that little dopamine hit that we like when people like our videos, thanks. Okay, and then this is another one of the main points that he made in this year's letter, which is shorter than previous years. At this point, a report card from me is appropriate, he says. In 58 years of Berkshire management, most of my capital allocation decisions have been no better than so-so. This is from one of the greatest investors of all time. In some cases, also bad moves by me have been rescued by very large doses of luck. So he acknowledges luck as, as playing a part. Remember our escapes from near disasters at USAIR and Salomon, I certainly do. So if you're familiar with their past, you'll know those. So he goes on to say, our satisfactory results have been the product of about a dozen truly good decisions. So only a dozen decisions. So that would be about one every five years, he says, and a sometimes forgotten advantage that favors long-term investors such as Berkshire. So there again, he emphasizes investing over the long term and really all of that wealth that he's developed for Berkshire and Berkshire shareholders has just been for, from some a few very good decisions and some bad ones. Now he goes on to talk about some of those good decisions that they've made him and Charlie Munger over the years and one of those is Coca-Cola. He also talked about here American Express but In terms of Coca Cola, he says in August 1994, yes, 1994, Berkshire completed its seven year purchase of the 400 million shares of Coca Cola we now own. The total cost was 1.3 billion, then a very meaningful sum for Berkshire back in those days. The cash dividend we received from Coke in 1994 was 75 million. By 2022, the dividend had increased to 704 million. So 75 million to 704 million growth occurred every year, just as certain as birthdays. All Charlie and I were required to do was cash Coke's quarterly dividend checks. We expect those checks are highly likely to grow. So he's saying that they bought a very good business, there and made a very good decision, and they just held it for a very long time. Even they even held it in the late 90s when it got. He said it's got overly expensive during that tech bubble. Coke also got expensive, but they didn't sell anything. They just held it. And so it's done very well. One of their dozen or so great picks over time. He talks about American Express. I won't go into that. You can read the letter yourself. So he spells out the lesson for investors here, as he often does very helpfully for us as investors reading this. He says, the lesson for investors, the weeds wither away in significance as the flowers bloom. Over time, it takes just a few winners to work wonders. And yes, it helps to start early and live into your 90s as well. So basically, uh, encouraging people to start early, invest for a very long time because the compounding uh, works over the the longer you invest for, the more compounding there is. That stands to reason. Sometimes people don't work that out early on in life. They work it out later on. Talking about, uh, you know, the weeds wither away and the flowers bloom, that's that's about... uh, Uh, watering the flowers and pulling the weeds so even if they don't sell it becomes obvious that uh, as you know some of their companies have grown to be big percentages of their portfolio without them selling because they've just done well if you look at apple that's the case right now where they it's a huge percentage of the berkshire public share portfolio because it's become a multi-bagger since 2016. It's just an outsized return. So again, this is one of the main points of this year's letter. He talks about buybacks, which is kind of topical in the news. Politicians have been talking about it. Joe Biden's and others have been kind of railing against buybacks. They want to have an increasing tax on buybacks. But Buffett says, a very minor gain in per share intrinsic value took place in 2022 through Berkshire share repurchases, as well as similar moves at Apple and American Express, both significant investees of ours. At Berkshire, we directly increased your interest in our unique collection of businesses by repurchasing 1.2% of the company's outstanding shares. At Apple and Amex, repurchases increased Berkshire's ownership a bit without any cost to us. So saying uh, they haven't done many re- share repurchases over the years at Berkshire, but in recent years, the last couple of years, they bought their own shares back. They thought it was kind of well under intrinsic value. They've said that after the purchases. So they started repurchasing shares because that was one of the best deals that they saw in the market, their own shares. So he goes on, the math isn't complicated. When the share count goes down, your interest in in our many businesses goes up. Every small bit helps if repurchases are made at value accretive prices just as surely when a company overpays for repurchases the continuing shareholders lose. At such times gains flow only to the selling shareholders and to the friendly but expensive investment banker who (laughs) recommended the foolish purchases. Okay so he's making a distinction there about repurchases being good However if they're made too expensively they're not good at all and that's one of the things in analysis is to look at when I think when you're looking at a company that to possibly buy it is management making repurchases which isn't necessarily a bad thing can be a good thing but are they doing it expensively if they're just kind of doing it uh, as sort of dollar cost average and some of those are expensive that's not so good as waiting until the shares are cheap is it below intrinsic value and they're buying back it can be a very good thing for owners of the company okay and this is where he starts to have a go at the politicians about what they're saying about share repurchases even though it's a popular thing and it's mainly because i think people don't understand repurchases and uh, how they can be beneficial he says gains from value creative repurchases it should be emphasized benefit all owners in every respect. Imagine, if you will, three fully informed shareholders of a local auto dealership, one of whom manages the business. Imagine further that one of the passive owners wishes to sell his interest back to the company at a price attractive to the two continuing shareholders. When completed, has the transaction harmed anyone? Is the manager somehow favored over the continuing passive owners? Has the public been hurt? He questions. Then he goes on to say, when you are told that all repurchases are harmful to shareholders or to the country or particularly beneficial to CEOs, you are listening to either an economic illiterate or a silver tongued demagogue. Characters that are not mutually exclusive. So he doesn't name anybody there, but he's definitely having a crack at the the current political situation where politicians, the current US administration, wants to tax share repurchases by companies. And Buffett here is saying and the, he's saying that they're not, they're, they're actually beneficial. Well, he does say for all owners, so basically they're for, for shareholders, but they're not specifically for the CEOs of companies. Uh, but he's saying that they, they're a way of giving back to shareholders and, and rather than dividends. Or in other ways, it's one of the main ways. Buffett's favoured um, sh- share repurchases rather than rather than dividends over the time. Although he did talk about that Coca Cola dividend that's increased hugely over time. He prefers share repurchases because it, it decreases the amount of shares and makes so makes the remaining shares worth more. And it's a way of, so that's a way of giving back to shareholders. So now he's starting to talk about the future of Berkshire which is important because he's in his early 90s. Charlie Munger's in his very late 90s. I think 99 now. Amazing. So they won't be around for, for very much longer really you would think. And so this is, these are kind of coming to their last uh, annual letters. He says as for the future Berkshire will always hold a boatload of cash and US treasury bills along with a wide array of businesses. We will also avoid behavior that could result in any uncomfortable cash needs at inconvenience times, including financial panics and unprecedented insurance losses. I'll just pause there because he's talked about that before. Being an insurance company, they need a a lot of cash in case there's, he's talked about being there being a double disaster, which insurance insurance companies may have to pay out a huge amount. So you say there's a A hurricane in the US and there's an earthquake at the same time. If we look at Japan, you know, there was a nuclear disaster and an earthquake tsunami at the same time, something like that happening in the US. He's very conscious of that. That's one of the reasons that Berkshire has so much cash on hand, which sometimes people criticize saying, why aren't they investing at all? Why they have so much cash? That's a big reason why. So he goes on, our CEO will always be the chief risk officer, a task it is irresponsible to delegate. Additionally, our future CEOs will have a significant part of their net worth in Berkshire shares bought with their own money. And yes, our shareholders will continue to save and prosper by retaining earnings. At Berkshire, there is no finish line. So he's talking about future CEOs, which uh, they let slip last year. I think it was pretty much going to be Greg Abel, unless they've changed their mind. It's going to be the CEO after uh, Warren and Charlie are not there. Another important point is that you know the CEOs. He's saying that they have to buy shares with their own money. And they have to have a substantial interest, and it's another thing uh, in analysis to look for. Does management have a lot of skin in the game? Do they? If they do, that's definitely a plus, as far as I'm concerned. If so, if the whole of management only owns like one percent or less of the company, you have to question how much. Uh, how much they really care about uh, adding value to that company. If they own 10, 20, 30% overall, then they've really got their own wealth at stake. And I like to see companies like that. Uh, I like to look for companies like that. If that's not the case, I'm kind of not interested. So Buffett's got pretty much, I think he said 99% of his wealth in Berkshire and Charlie Munger similarly. And he's saying that that should be ongoing even when they're not there. This is really the last point. He's talked about this before. He's reiterating about investing in America. He says, I've been investing for 80 years, more than one third of our country's lifetime, which is pretty amazing to think about. Despite our citizens' penchant, almost enthusiasm for self-criticism and self-doubt, I have yet to see a time when it made sense to make a long-term bet against America. And I doubt very much. That any reader of this letter will have a different experience in the future. So again, he's just talking about the future of America, how it's done so well. He talked about that over the 20th century, how it's done so well. He doesn't see that changing anytime soon, despite the criticism and uh, any political situations that go on. Okay, as I said at the beginning, I was going to talk about my experience in the last month or so. While I haven't been making videos, I've had the, kind of the perfect storm of the situation. We've been moving house. This is the new studio. It's a little bit echoey and um, we've just moved in, but it, it'll do for now. We, the whole family got COVID as we, were, as we were kind of moving and so we've kind of been uh, trying to recover from that. And we also had a cyclone cyclone come through Auckland or ex-cyclone, which really disrupted. Did many things including power and water and all sorts of things so all of these combined, I didn't I hadn't mean to not not post for a month. I thought it'd be like a couple of weeks maybe but getting COVID and everything I still am still feeling the effects a little bit so that's why I haven't been posting for a month but I'm back enthusiastic to post more and if you've got this far in the video maybe consider subscribing if you haven't if you haven't already subscribed or if you're on your favorite podcast app listening on audio subscribe there and I'll see you again next time. Thanks for watching or listening.